Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And it is indeed light, light of the East, because today is the longest day of the year. We begin the summer equinox now, June 21st. So we have lots of light, lots of long days. Now they'll start to get a little bit shorter, though. But however, we've had some beautiful days of light, long days of light, which I love, because we are all about light here at Light of the East. So welcome again. I am Father Thomas Thoyer, your host. And speaking of light... The name of this program is Light of the East, which comes from Orientali Lumen, which is the, the apostolic letter written by St. John Paul II, and that's where we get the name of this program, but also applies to something else and someone else who is a very, very, very good friend here of all of us here at Light of the East, and that is Jack Fiegel from Eastern Christian Publications, but also from the Orientali Lumen Conferences. Jack, welcome to Light of the East. Thank you, Father Glory to Jesus Christ. So, Jack, we've got something really special happening right now for everyone to tune into. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, um, as we all know, uh, our lives are completely different today than they were three, four months ago. And our annual Oriental Illumin conferences uh, were scheduled for the third week of June uh, to uh, be the 24th annual conference that we've been holding. This is This is the 24th year. Ever since 1997, shortly after the apostolic letter you referred to, Oriental Lumen came out, we started these ecumenical meetings of Catholics and Orthodox in Washington, D.C., uh, a grassroots movement uh, to learn from each other and to discuss issues uh, of common interest, uh, have uh, opportunities to meet, opportunities to pray together, socialize, and learn from scholars and ecumenists from around the world. Um, over the years, we've had cardinals and even patriarchs and bishops and theologians, professors and lay people uh, all gather uh, and talk and um, discuss various topics. We'd scheduled this conference as usual the third week of June uh, to be held here in Washington, but shortly after the outbreak of the pandemic, I realized that um, 
having a face-to-face conference of this nature just was not going to work. It was going to be very, very difficult, if at all possible. And as we've seen with the health restrictions and issues with gatherings, uh, I early on switched to uh, what I'm calling a virtual conference, which a lot of people are doing for normally face uh, I'm scheduled now to have a panel discussion, which will be available for people to watch who register for the conference, of the speakers that we had lined up. And so uh, it will be a two-hour panel discussion on June the 23rd from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time, and we will have a Zoom conference, as everyone's getting used to, to participating in, where the speakers will, will discuss the topic uh, that we picked for this year, which turns out to be liturgy and icons, a topic near and dear to your heart, Father Tom. Yes, yes. And, of course, I'm so pleased and proud to say you're going to be one of our plenary speakers. Yeah, and I was pleased and humbled to have been invited. And, Jack, wasn't that the theme? Wasn't Didn't you pick that theme? Because wasn't that like one of the first themes you had or something like that? Well, we, we uh, alternated over the years between themes dealing with Eastern spirituality, Eastern theology, Eastern traditions, and ecumenical topics uh, of dialogue, what are the issues that still divide us, and how can we resolve those? And I decided for this year to go back to our roots, to the, to the Eastern Church, uh, and to have a theme uh, oriented towards learning more about uh, the churches of the East. And it seemed uh, at the time uh, in the fall when I was thinking about topics that liturgy and icons uh, would be a very uh, interesting subject to discuss uh, and uh, to, to learn about how iconography affects liturgy and how we worship through the use of icons uh, in our Eastern churches. Yeah, it was a great topic, and, and one I was really glad to be a part of. I'm glad you presented that one, because a lot of times we tend to approach things a little bit compartmentalized. It's kind of a tendency of our modern Western kind of rationalist, scientific, technological culture. <laughs> we tend to sometimes focus in on something and a little bit compartmentalize it. But when you talk about icons, and with your theme, uniting it with liturgy, that's actually something very significant because icons are to be set originally, they're set in the context of liturgy. And it talks about and it reveals to us the integration, the, the ingenious integration of the liturgy, where what's, what's being prayed, the gesture, the ritual, the art, the architecture, it all comes together. And so I was really thrilled to see that as a topic this year because I think it's something that isn't always that well-known. That we, we tend to think of icons, and a lot of times people will t- say, well, for instance, they'll take like an icon class, and they'll, they'll paint an icon and so on. They, they tend to not be always as aware that icons have a very, very significant setting, a context in liturgy, which also, in turn, means in the architecture of the church as well. Right, right. Yeah, and, and as you and I grew up, Father Tom, icons were around us all the time, Yes. And in some sense, we sort of took them for granted. Yeah. You know, uh, it was They were there, and we prayed with them, uh, and we prayed the liturgy in their presence. And it's only over the last maybe 10 or 20 years that I've come to really fully realize and understand how important they are, uh, that they're, they're there to, to encompass the liturgy and put everything, as you say, into context. Yes, they, they really do give us an experience of the the... the the heavenly liturgy, the mystical liturgy, the you know the next life—they really do give us that that sense of uh, heaven on earth. 
Now, Jack, there's the people that, that you had you invited to speak and present, uh, they have presentations that people can see now. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So the, the, the uh, virtual conference is, really has two parts to it. The first is pre-recorded lectures uh, by the plenary speakers, uh, you being one of them. Uh, and then those uh, lectures have been placed on a private YouTube channel where people who register for the conference can go and view them in advance of the panel discussion and then submit questions uh, to me via email that we will then ask the panelists through the moderator, uh, Bishop John Michael Botin of the Romanian Greek Catholic Church, who will, who will serve as moderator for the panel. Where can they get to these talks? Well, the, the registration is on our uh, OL Foundation website. So if they go to olfoundation.net, they'll see a tab for the conferences, and on that tab they'll see the list of speakers and a registration product that they can purchase. The registration fee is $50, and they'll then get access to nine videos, nine different recordings that we have prepared in advance, and then they'll also be sent a link to participate in the Zoom conference. The nine videos include our four plenary speakers, two lectures from our archives by our friend Metropolitan Callistos of Diocleia about icons and the doorway into the kingdom, and also a history of iconography by Father Justin, who is the a librarian of the Monastery of St. Catherine at Mount Sinai wow. in Egypt. So we have a, a two fairly well-known Orthodox speakers from the OLTV archives that offering. There are also three tours of icon exhibitions that we have on video, two of which were done at Villanova University and arranged by your cousin, Father Joe Loya, yes. <laughs> uh, back several years ago. And then another one uh, of the uh, Icon Museum that's at St. Tikon's Monastery in Pennsylvania. And, and everyone can get this by going to olfoundation.net. Correct, right. And then follow the links to register for the conference. And once they register for the conference, then we'll send them links to all of these private videos, and then they'll be sent information to be able to connect and watch the panel discussion on the 23rd. And if they can't see it live, that will also be recorded and made available uh, afterwards. Jack, the videos from this particular conference, this 24th year conference, will they be available like well beyond the conference time? Yes, we plan to probably convert them into DVDs and then make them available uh, through that mechanism for those who want to perhaps use them for educational purposes. And then the ones that are on YouTube, you know, we'll probably make it uh, available to the public sometime after, probably the end of the summer, because the other thing that we do is we cooperate with St. Cyril Methodius Byzantine Catholic Seminary in Pittsburgh, and they offer a one-credit online course over the summer in July and August using our videos as their lectures. Oh. So for those who can't, don't have time or whatever, or want to, in addition to uh, coming to the panel discussion uh, and, and seeing the videos themselves, if they want to get a, uh, a credit towards a master's degree or have a further education uh, with Sandra Collins, who will be the coordinator of the course, they can sign up online for an online class in July and August through the Byzantine Catholic Seminary in Pittsburgh and, and through their website. So we cooperate with them, and then after the course is over, then we'll probably make the videos available in September. Well, I'm thrilled to see that our seminary is <laughs> availing themselves of the gifts that you offer, Jack. <laughs> That's terrific. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a three-way collaborative effort 
uh, three years ago, I helped arrange for the seminary to become a member of the Washington Theological Consortium, mm-hmm. which are a group of theological schools here in the Washington area. I'm on the board of trustees and was, and in fact, chairman of the board uh, these last few years. And we made arrangements for the seminary to join as a satellite member uh, of the consortium, which means that consortium school uh, students, uh, Catholic University, Virginia Theological, and other schools in the D.C. area can take online courses at uh, BCS in Pittsburgh, and then the students from our seminary can take classes that are online from all the schools of the Washington area. So it's a complete full exchange program amongst all the schools. Well, incredible. Well, we're going to talk more with our guest, Jack Fiegel, but all the many riches he has in terms of learning about the Eastern churches. You know, Jack, people always ask me, where can I go to learn more about the Eastern churches? And you're the first place I send them. So we're going to hear more from Jack, our go-to guy here, about things Eastern when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card with your help. We can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Hoyer, your host. We have a very special guest today, a good friend of ours here at Light of the East, and a marvelous, marvelous go-to resource for things Eastern. It's Jack Fago from Eastern Christian Publications and also from the OL Foundation, olfoundation.net. We're talking about the wonderful, well, social media, or what we want to call it, webinar, OL Conference, Oriental Lumen Conference, the 24th year of it that's going on. As a result of the pandemic, he's had to do it via social media. But we've got a great lineup of speakers and presentations. So, Jack, tell us about who the speakers are, a little bit about them and what they're doing. Yes, well, we started planning this conference, of course, uh, months and months ago. And uh, I wrote to the new Greek Orthodox Archbishop of New York, the Archbishop that had been there for many years, retired last summer, and the uh, uh, Holy Synod in uh, Constantinople elected a replacement, a, 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 a new archbishop by the name of El Pitophorus, uh, somewhat difficult to, to pronounce. But I had met Archimandrite El Pitophorus many years ago at the Fenar, the headquarters of the Greek Orthodox Church in Constantinople. And Father Tom, you've been there a few times with me, Istanbul. And um, I wrote to him uh, and told him about our conferences that we hold in Washington and reminded him that we had met in, in Istanbul many years ago. And he answered and agreed to be a speaker, mm. to come from New York to Washington, participate in our conference. And I was just absolutely thrilled and honored to have him, who is the most senior Orthodox prelate or, or hierarch uh, in all of North America, head of the Greek Orthodox Church archdiocese in New York City. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, we decided to go virtual. I wrote to his office, and he readily agreed to pre-record his talk and to then also participate in the panel discussion by way of Zoom conference uh, on the 23rd. So our major speaker who will be participating is head of the Greek Orthodox Church here in North America, Archbishop El Pitophorus. The next speaker that we lined up 
is a friend of yours and mine, Father Mark Morozovich, who is currently the dean at Catholic University of America, dean of theology and religious studies, and he's a Ukrainian Catholic priest. He's the first Eastern Catholic priest ever to be dean at uh, CUA. Wow. And um, so this will be his first time as a, as a speaker. He's visited our conferences many times. But this will be his first time that he's uh, been able to participate as a speaker. And I think part of it is because of the pandemic, he's not had quite such a busy schedule where, without live classes going on at the university. Then our third plenary speaker, who's also pre-recorded a talk, has her own social media program. And that's uh, Sister Vasa Lauren, who has a, a TV show called Coffee with Sister Vasa. Yes. <laughs> that uh, is, I think, well-known in many circles. Yes, it is. Uh, she has a very interesting perspective on all things about the Church, and uh, so she's agreed. She's also been a, a speaker in the past. I saw her in Washington in January, and we talked about her participating, and now that it's virtual, her participation has been made much easier without her having to fly across the Atlantic. So she's uh, uh, recorded her talk and uh, will participate in the panel discussion on the 23rd as well. And her talk is, uh, I think, uh, everyone's is from a very unique perspective. Uh, the Archbishop, Father Morozovic, uh, Sister Vasa, though, is going to talk about the communion spoon as an icon. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is going to be very interesting to, to, to hear her perspective. And as you know, Father, she, she has a very interesting sense of humor about things. Yeah. And, uh so I think it's going to be both educational and entertaining uh, to see her talk. And, of course, we've also prepared a talk, which a little bit of I've had time to watch is, is essentially a tour of your church from a theological, liturgical, and iconographic perspective, right? Yes, it's, uh, my message is the, the, this integration of art, architecture, theology, and liturgy. Those are our four plenary speakers. As I mentioned earlier, we have Metropolitan Callistos and Father Justin's uh, talks. They were given at Villanova University some eight years ago about icons. And then we have tours of icon exhibitions at Villanova and St. Tikon's Monastery as part of the package that everyone will be able to watch if they register for the conference. Jack, I want to go back for the benefit of the listeners, especially those who are not Eastern Catholic or Eastern Christian, uh, this idea of the communion spoon, what was meant by that? Let me, a little bit of background. Yeah, it, it, in the Eastern Church, Holy Communion, the Holy Eucharist, is distributed under both species at the same time. So uh, the uh, Holy Body of Christ is a small square cube of bread that's consecrated during the liturgy that is commingled or mixed in with the chalice of the Holy Blood of Christ, and the two are distributed to the communicants are the people who come forward for communion uh, on a usually golden spoon uh, where the species or the, the, the body and blood of Christ is placed on their tongue or in their mouth by use of a spoon. And in the, the, this situation of the pandemic and the virus, several churches are taking uh, very drastic steps in different ways to um, provide a, a safe method of distribution. Some are using multiple spoons, one per person. Others are using wooden spoons that are burned. Different countries are putting different restrictions on the church. And so it's, uh, it's become a bit of a, a controversy, especially in the Orthodox world, where they're trying to deal with it in various parts of the world as a unified church, but yet subject to the laws of, of certain countries. And in some cases, it's, it's uh, unfortunately uh, 
uh, proving to be difficult in in uh, accepting what the countries and the, the civil authorities are requiring. Yes, because the distribution of the Holy Eucharist in the Eastern churches, especially the Eastern churches that follow the Byzantine rite, there's one spoon used and one, one chalice, and it's used for everyone. And at the end of, of distributing communion, the priest or deacon consumes what is left in the chalice. Now, by spoon, what we mean is you come forward, tilt your head back, open your mouth widely, just like a little bird in a nest. You know, like a mother feeds little birds. Have you ever seen them in the nest? They kind of put their heads back and open their mouth widely. And then we drop the communion, the body and blood of Christ, which is, as you said, is mingled together into their mouth. The idea is not to put the spoon in the mouth or touch the mouth with the spoon and so on. However, sometimes it does happen, but the spoon goes back into the Eucharist, which also has the property of alcohol, too. You know, it's it's it has a certain disinfectant property to it. And that's the normal way that it is distributed in all Eastern churches over the world for centuries. It's never been known to be a source of sickness. It is the body and blood of Christ. However, because of the pandemic and the fears and the uncertainty of it all, yes, there are precautions that have been taken. And as you said, Jack, it's been kind of a controversial and a kind of hard to land in any exact perfect way while still trying to preserve the integrity of the Eucharist and the sense of the real presence. So it's been a it's been some uncharted waters here, hasn't it? Yes, yes, and and as I said, uh, different parts of the world uh, have to live under different conditions, yes. uh, different levels of outbreak, and so you know it's I think probably a difficult situation where one size does not fit all. Yes, but uh, everyone has to be flexible and yet uh, preserving, you know, holy tradition. And as you say, probably the first time in the history of of the church that we've had to deal with sort of these sorts of situations. So it'll be fascinating to see what Sister Vasha has to say about a communion spoon and icons. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Jack, you have a—speaking of these conferences, you have—one of my favorite sources that you have is the Eastern Christian Journal, right? Eastern Christian Journal? Eastern, Eastern Church's Journal. Eastern yep. Church, I'm sorry, Eastern Church's Journal. I have many of those. In fact, I use them even as textbooks for classes, like for teenagers— for my youth group. And those uh, journals, are, are they not a collection of some of the talks from previous Orientalumen conferences? Yes. In some cases, uh, the talks have been published there. In the early years, the first 10 years, we actually published a proceedings of uh, the conferences. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have years one through 10 as separate little books with all of the speakers' uh, presentations in, in writing. But, of course, that was back before the days of prevalent video mm-hmm. and the ability to record the talks and then make them available on, you know, before the days, you know, that YouTube even existed. Yes. So publishing proceedings was the only way at the time to get the information available to uh, the wider public or people who weren't able to attend the conference. After Oriental Illumin number 10, we started making video recordings, uh, and we've done been moving forward, and, and newer technologies have made those easier to do, uh, less costly, easier to distribute through things like YouTube and our own OLTV streaming video website, and through DVDs and CDs. And so we've stopped publishing a proceedings book, but we've continued to make them available through electronic means. and. Um, and so forth. So, but but occasionally we have a speaker who, you know, in the academic world, uh, needs to be published in order to gain tenure at their, at their university. And so, 
what we tell the speakers is if they want their papers published, we'll publish them in Eastern Church's journal. So, so we have a, a, a mixture, and yes, over the years, we've now been publishing ECJ for over 20 years, and so in there is a collection of articles and uh, things that you can you know, sink your teeth into on all sorts of topics dealing with the Eastern Church. And one of the features of the ECJ is that we have a chronicle section, which is a compilation of a newsletter published by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops about everything going on in the Eastern Church around the world. Father Ron Roberson publishes a monthly newsletter. Mm-hmm. And we compile those newsletters, summarize them to some degree, because they're so voluminous, and then we publish that as a, as a chronicle. So in any given year of the past, you can go back and look at the history of what was going on temporaneously with articles that were published around the world dealing with Eastern churches. And uh, a line I like from the recent movie, The Washington Post, is uh, I think Catherine Graham says that her husband referred to the news as being the first draft of history. Yes. Well, all right. So June 23rd from 1 to 3 Eastern Time is the Zoom meeting, right, with the conference yes. with all the speakers. Yes, that's right. And, and you have to uh, sign up and register in order to get the link to be able to access that Zoom conference and all the other videos. And that's at olfoundation.net. Correct. Thanks so much, Jack. Thanks for all your great work. And I look forward to being part of this conference as well. Yes, we'll be talking to you uh, on the 23rd indeed. That's right. Okay, Jack, thank you. God bless. Thank you. God bless to you and all your listeners. Thank you to all of you who are listening as well. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. We need EWTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.